We are joined by for us by us, Drew Bu, Drew Butera. How you doing, Drew? I'm good. I'm doing well. I'm uh, a little stir crazy from this quarantine stuff, but I'm doing all right. Yeah, you you just heard that me and Jimmy are in New York, so that's pretty much a nightmare. Where where are you at? I am in uh, sunny Orlando, Florida. So I got the pool, and I got, at least I can go outside. You guys are you know stuck indoors, but I can go outside, go for a walk or something like that. Bike yeah. ride, get some fresh. Yesterday, I walked down to the lobby to get my package, and then I jogged up the four flight of stairs, and I was like, okay, good. I did something today. Good for you. And that was all of it. That was that's the, good the for you. Yeah, that's, that's nice. Yeah. That's nice. I, I have a fun were you, fact. Were you winded? No, it was good. I almost thought about, like, maybe I'll just jog all the way up to the 10th floor, and that'll be, like, much better. And then I was like, no fucking way. I'm not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> a little fun fact for everyone right away. We have two sets of New Britain, Connecticut roommates. Jake and I were roommates in New Britain, and you two were roommates in New Britain. So I think we only missed each other by a year or so. But Trevor was telling me about your guys' time there. And Trevor Palooza? Plufa Palooza? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't remember oh, if God. it was Plufa Palooza or Trevor Palooza. It, it was but Trevor Palooza. I think I still have one of our, uh, our flyers. If you were around the greater New Britain area in 2008, you probably got a, got a Trevor Palooza flyer. Because we were handing I them t- out. I tell you what, I guarantee you they didn't have the beach. No, yeah. I was trying to tell Jim about that a little bit. So Drew and I, uh, we roomed with two other guys. We had a four we had four people in like a four-bedroom house, I think it was. Or was it five people? I think it was five because I think someone was up like upstairs. Yeah, we rented a house, five of us in it, and we kind of like drew straws. And there was two rooms in the basement. And this was like a basement basement. It wasn't like a finished nice basement. So nobody wanted those rooms. Uh, Drew and I ended up like getting those rooms through this like random drawing, whatever. So we were kind of like pissed at first. Uh, but at, in the end, we, we totally won the whole thing because our place didn't have air conditioning. And I didn't know this because there's no basements in California. But if you're in the basement, you know, underground, it's much, much cooler. So the guys were dying with all like the nice rooms. And Drew and I had it like made in the shade down there. It was it was uh, it was pretty good. Was well, it like open cement pillars? And we went to the dollar store and got like these um, things you can like murals you can hang from the wall and like blow up flamingos and like a little kiddie pool and like a, a palm tree. Made. We, we turned it into, we called it the beach. We called it the beach. It was so grimy. Like we needed to like lift it up like a facelift. So we went to the dollar store, like you said, and just bought some like inflatable alligators and stupid stuff. <laughs> <laughs> we had some good times. We did. Oh, we did. How old were you guys? So you guys go way back then. Yeah, I was what, 2007? I was 22. Eight? Eight? Yeah, I was 22. Drew's a little older than me. I'm old. I'm old as dirt. (laughs) Got that nice hair, though. Still going. Yeah, I got good genes. I I don't look like I'm 36, but... um, Unfortunately, I am. You don't look like you're 36. That's ridiculous. If I shave all like the facial hair, I look. I could still get carded at like 18 and up movies, like rated R. Hey, join the club, bro. Yeah, that's I that's what it. I was gonna say. I, I don't think you guys saw me around. I think when you guys were in New Britain, I was probably 18, 19, and I looked like I was 12 then. So, um, pro- you would probably not have gotten went- into our party. 
No, 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 no. I was out the door. I was I was wearing generic polo with like the plaid shorts. It, it was a bad time for me. Um, but <laughs> enough about me, guys. Um, Drew, what's uh, what's good? I mean, the wh- where we've kind of been starting with these things, it, like it half sucks. We have to. But how are you? How are you doing with all this? I mean, are are you are you still working out? Are you like what? What are you? You binge Netflix? What are you up to? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm slowly getting into more Netflix and Hulu shows. Um, Tiger King right now has me hooked. Oh yeah. I've heard that's uh, crazy, but, uh, yeah, I'm still able to work out my, the gym and like the are connected in one and they are closed officially, but, um, they still kind of let me go in there and work out and, and do some nice. stuff and it makes it easier too. like the, the weather here in Florida is pretty, pretty nice. So I can still go outside, go for a run. Um, do some stuff in the backyard, a little home prison workout type thing. Um, so we're still getting it in, but I'd say from like 12 o'clock on is just kind of like when I'm like pulling my hair out, trying to find something to do. Crazy. Yeah. If, How- you, fo- if you follow Drew on Instagram, you could see kind of what he's doing through his day. I think uh, right away you did some landscaping, if I remember that. Yeah. I, I, you know what? I, I jumped the gun too quick. I was, you know, we got home and I was like, I hated the bushes that were like right beside my pool. I was like, let's do it. Instead of like, slowly dragging out into like a three-day process i just went gung-ho from like the morning and did it all in one day i was like great that's done it took up a day what now <laughs> yeah what now yeah you got to go start doing everything very slow you know like just one yeah. task a day kind of just make it all last what how long did you yeah, I got, take I have a little, but i just can't like like i want to put like a little chipping and putting green in my backyard but then i'm like well yes if i do it myself i'm probably going to completely mess up my backyard and then I was like, well, what if we do like a build a cage? And then I was like, well, I probably won't build a net right. And wind up, you know, line drive a ball into my neighbor's window. So I was like, <laughs> I have a lot of ideas. I just can't, I never fall through with them. That's good content, man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I should film it and see what, what goes from there. Maybe make some good TV. Yeah. You'd be like the next Tiger King. <laughs> I don't know if I'd go that far. He has a, <laughs> oh, he, is he not in Florida? Yeah. Uh, he's in jail, isn't he? I don't no, know. he was in he was in Oklahoma, Texas, right? Or no, Oklahoma, yeah. Oklahoma. Oh man, one of them's in Florida. <laughs> got one of them's got to be in yeah, Florida. Carol. Carol, Carol, yeah, Carol. I think that you would be a great Tiger King for Halloween. I know that's going to be a big costume, but I could see you pulling it off and like being able to kind of rock that look. Worth expense and the time and effort to go into it, though. I think that would be a big hit. Yeah, what? <laughs> that is going to be a huge costume. You're right, Trev. Yeah, it is. So how long did it take you for to, to leave spring training, Drew? Because you were down in Arizona, lighting it up. Yeah. And then what was the the whole process there with the team? And, and how did guys leave right away? Did you hang around and then were like, all right, shit, I got to go? Yeah, we hung around a bit. Um, we found out, I think it was like a Thursday, like Wednesday or Thursday, our game was canceled because of rain. And we had like this little window to do some stuff on the field. So we were taking BP. And it's actually in my group um, when we found out that um, spring training was being banged and that we were going to, you know, postpone the season. And so we kind of all just like took it in from there. It was like kind of, you know, we were like, okay, game's over. Let's, you know, grab our bat and go home. Um, and then we had a few meetings over the next couple of days. So we hung out for probably, I want to say like four days. And the general consensus was like the complex, uh, but it'll be like super limited, uh, food, um, you know, there'd be like no clubhouse or anything like that. It'd just be like come in, you could do work at a limited time. Like pitchers would be 
at one time, position players would be at another. And so through talking with a bunch of guys, there a lot of guys like, I'm going home, you know, I can, you know, stay ready there. There's a lot more things that I could, like, we, were, we didn't be able to use the weight room. So, um, you know, instead of paying, you know, like a thousand dollars a week to rent a place, I was like, I can go home, you know, have everything at the comfort of like, you know, my own house, my own gym, um, you know, hit at the facility that I'm going at. So like, I, I feel like I can get more done here than I would if I stayed in Arizona. Now, as, as much as I'd like to ask more questions about Trevor Palooza in that basement in New Britain, we, we do keep it baseball here a little bit, uh, like 20% of the time. And, uh, my, my favorite thing I've been asking dudes is that, uh, like at, at Rockies camp this year and, and, and maybe it's a pitcher cause I, I, you're probably catching some, some of the newer guys or who, who stood out at camp dude, if you were coming on a baseball podcast at Rockies camp this year that you'd be like, man, I, I got to mention this dude. Cause he's, he's special or he's different or, or he stood out for some reason. Um, you know, if we had a few guys, um, kind of come into that position where it's like, they don't, you know, not a lot of people know about them or they're coming up through the minor leagues. To me, one of like those guys would be Jonathan Daza. He's a, an outfielder. And the guy is a hit machine, man. Like I think last year he hit like three day, 380 in AAA, And then, uh, kind of through some, you know, mental at bats kind of playing here and there. He started to like get his feel in September when in up in the big leagues in Colorado and um over into spring. I, I think the guy was sitting, you know, well over three hundred, but everything he hits is hard, you know, even his outs. He'll put together a good at bat. He may not hit for a lot of power, but you know, he's gonna get on base because he doesn't mind, you know, hitting O one or O two makes contact runs well. And, and to me, he plays a really good center field. So he's a guy that I'd be like, you know, watch out for. He's going to be a stud. I love I like center that. fielders. I love, I love middle of the uh, diamond guys. I love catchers. I love shortstops and I love center fielders. I think one of the things that I like about him the most is he like has a passion for the game. Like he's not a guy that comes in, you know, 10 minutes before stretch and then leaves right after the game over. And he's one of the first ones there. He loves hanging out. He loves asking questions. Um, he loves just being around baseball. And, you know, I'll go through a whole day's workout. You know, and I've, I've always been one of those guys that, like, you know, comes early, stays late, and I'm showering, and he's still in his uniform because he's, you know, dry swinging by his locker just because he loves it. So that's one of the – he's got a real passion for the game, and I like that. <laughs> the dry swings by the locker. <laughs> that will get me every time. Oh, the Matt Tolbert special. No, it's good to hear. I love when you hear young guys doing that it automatically sets them apart in my mind because that is what it takes to stay at the level, to be able to make the adjustments. You have to put the work in, especially when you're young. And a lot of guys will come up, go through the minor leagues and not necessarily develop a routine like that. Then they get to the big leagues and have to try to find one. But if this guy's already doing that, you know, I think that's a great call for a breakout kind of guy. For sure. I got to, I got to, I got to ask this. So, you are making Sports Center. There's no, no highlights, no nothing. But Drew Butera still finds a way to get on Sports Center. Yeah, yeah. So you posted a video. You're doing your backyard workouts, like you said. And I saw you doing this with your dad uh, during the offseason, I believe. You got a jugs machine, and you're just shooting balls, and you're working on your receiving. And because of the quarantine – Instead of having your dad do it, who next? Sal do it. You got the wife. 
out there and you yeah. got her working you got her you put her to work quarantine is not shield time for her it's get to work let's get let's get me back on this defensive prowess thing yeah i said let's go she was laying by the pool i said babe enough like <laughs> no more like you got enough sun you got enough vitamin d it's time to work all right let's go let's get to work uh, yeah uh you know what i guess yeah, so, like i actually posted it a few times in the off season and it was a funny story because well funny for me because i think if you know my dad he, like he's a he's the type of guy that like lives eats sleeps baseball and like you literally could be talking about you know popcorn and somehow he'll like find a way to like correlate it to baseball but um he called me up one day and he was like hey when's the machine coming in? and i was like oh literally just you know just got here and i'm like all right cool yeah come on over i guess sure. for sure sal <laughs> yeah and so we did it a few times and like i just had it on my uh, nest camera for the uh and you know the people that knew my dad were like oh my god this is hilarious and then i had hillary do it my wife and um the rocky sent me i was like hey this is great content can we have the video i was like yeah sure didn't even think anything of it they put it out there and then espn got it and i didn't even see it all of her friends like that you know their husbands or that they were watching espn uh they i guess saw it on tv they rewind it sent her the video of it and then <laughs> i want to i want to make like a little video of her like put it up somewhere like you're famous you're on espn more times than me <laughs> so when <laughs> You know, there's that there's that lyric like you you wasn't with me shooting in the gym. She was it's not true. She was with you shooting in the gym, bro. She's she shooting. Could never in the say gym, that yeah. to her. <laughs> and she's like she's she's had it like uh, rough too because a few times last off season my parents would go visit my sister, and so I'd want somebody to feed the machine in the cage. So I had her feed the machine, and I've like I've hit some balls off the net that like have come really close to hitting her. So she she keeps coming back. I don't like, I don't know. Is she offering any it's criticism or, or compliments? Is she critiquing in any way? She, she, she's tough. She's tough. <laughs> if I'm like, if, if, if I'm frustrated with something, I'm swinging. She'll be like, let's go get your head out of your ass. Come on. Like, what are you doing? She's, she's tough. She knows it's a mental thing. Yeah, for sure. All right. They call me King of the Segway. Can I, can I segue right here? Yeah, go ahead. Always. I don't know if anybody calls me that, but I'm going to do a great segue. Sure. Here. So you got this video and what you're doing is you're working on your receiving. And we've talked about this a little bit on the pod. Guys are doing things a lot differently these days. Um, whether it be they want to increase their defensive statistics, their frame rate, whatever it is. I think this is a kind of like a trick the umpire thing. Um, but it's the get really low, start with the glove down, and kind of work your way up, Jill. You see it all throughout baseball. Guys are getting on the one knee, putting the leg around that you've been working on. Can you kind of like talk to us why guys are doing that? And can you kind of like say how it's going? Because I'm very sure, curious yeah. about this. So the idea behind to kind of make the appearance of the ball being a strike um, when it's not. And the, I guess through trial and error, the process of um, doing that the most is working from the bottom up because, um, you know, the pitcher's throwing a ball downhill or a breaker ball is going down and you want to work underneath the ball to make it go uh, higher in the strike zone so that the borderline pitches make it look like they're in the middle of the strike zone. Um, I think the one knee thing came about because um, guys might have a harder time getting a target lower or getting, you know, uh, their mobility to get closer to the, the ground so that they can work up as opposed to starting up. And if your gloves, like say in the middle of the strike zone, back up, 
it like gives the illusion that you're moving the ball. So you kind of want to like trick the umpire to seeing it's just one motion that you're going to catch the ball, but in reality, you're moving it back to in the middle of the plate. Um, everybody has their own style. Everybody has their own like little tricks of the trade to, to make it work. Um, some guys teach it with like your thumb always being down. Some guys teach it with your, uh, your elbow being, you know, above the ball. Um, so you kind of want to make it like your thumb is the highway. So, like, if you think, like, this is always the north-south of it, like, you're going to catch the ball, so it's, like, going up, and your thumb is always up and down. Um, so that gives the appearance of, like, your your glove is always on the same plane and, and is always in the middle of the zone. Um, I don't mind the one knee. I know some people talk about one knee with men on base. I'm, like, I'm old school. Like, I have way too much pride to let a ball get by me or let somebody um, – steal because I'm on one knee. Like I have way too much pride to let that happen. So a few battles with, with some people about it. Um, and some guys, if they can do it, great, you know, good for them. But uh, somebody, you know, for me, the way I think of it is if, okay, we're, it's the seventh inning, we're down, you know, one or two runs and there's a man on first base and a ball gets by me and the guy, next guy gets a base hit, you know, that's a run. That, that's something that is going to, you know, put their team either ahead, tie, or even closer to, to beating us. And for me, I'd rather, you know, maybe take away a strike and throw a guy out or block a ball and not have that run scored on a base hit and let somebody, you know, have an easy, you know, easy run. Yeah. I'm fascinated by all this stuff with uh, the catching stuff. And we talked with uh, Tanner or I, I chatted with Tanner Swanson a little bit. He was a twins catching coach and he's a big advocate of the, you know, starting from the ground and going up. But when we talked with the Yankees catcher, backup catcher, Higashioka, and he was like, eh, I'm not into that. I'm like, I'm doing my own thing. So it's funny when uh, these new philosophies come out, like you're been in the league a while and you have your, your stance. Do you, do you search out new techniques or do you kind of like, oh shit, what's this about? Is it, is it something that you're eager to, to learn about a new technique or, or is it just kind of weird? Well, I think like, as my career has evolved, like I was never taught, you know, to move the pitch. I was taught to catch it with nice soft hands. And, and, and if I moved the ball, that was in the, when I first came in the league, if I moved the ball, that was an indication the ball was not in the strike zone. So I was always taught to like have nice, soft, like quiet hands in that way. The umpire would have more, you know, opportunities to see the pitch where it was and to call strikes. And then as it's evolved to where, you know, now moving the, moving the ball is almost a norm. So at first I was kind of against it, but I was like, if I want to, you know, stay in the big leagues and have a longer career, I need to adjust and to learn this. So um, it is, it's definitely something that I reached out to um, uh, watch a lot of video, watch guys that have success with it. He was, a, he was the one that uh, advocated the the thumb, like the highway type thing. And then for me, my numbers were always better with a man in scoring position. So like I try to like tinkered my stance to where I felt like I was in a secondary stance with somebody on base, but um, felt comfortable enough to where I wouldn't like wear out my legs by the second inning. When you say your numbers were better, what numbers are you looking at? Like, cause defensive metrics are so, so all over and. I don't even know which ones I like yeah. or dislike. Especially yeah, so catching metrics. Catching metrics to me are out. There's too many variables, yeah. and you can talk about it, Drew. I'm sorry. I feel very yeah. strongly about this. No, I'm I'm with you. I think it's a flawed stat, personally, like the the whole pitch pitch framing numbers, because 
there's three variables in it that we can't control. Um, you have an umpire calling balls and strikes, throwing a ball, and you have a hitter trying to hit it. So there's three things that get in your way of, you know, it'd be, it'd be one thing if it was just like, okay, we're firing a ball from a machine, and you know, it's going to be in the same exact spot almost every time. But if I ha- if I'm catching a guy like, you know, Mark Burley or or Granky or Kershaw who are throwing the ball exactly where they want it just about you know all the time, my numbers are going to be through the roof. Whereas I might catch a young rookie who's throwing 98 miles an hour but has no idea where it's going. And then if I catch an umpire on a bad day, I might do everything correctly. You know, I, I caught the pitch the perfect way and I framed it, you know, perfectly. But, you know, whatever, he had a long flight the night before and he called it a ball. Like, that's, for me, that's negative numbers. So, um, so I, 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 <laughs> I got off the topic a little bit. But um, my numbers, meaning like my pitch framing numbers, um, were better for when somebody was on second base or like on first base or third base than they were when nobody was on because I have a different stance. Emulate my uh, secondary stance with somebody on base to my like uh, primary one with, you know, just kind of like a normal, comfortable, relaxed position. How are, um, how are pitchers responding to that? Because I know guys like to throw to certain – everybody knows guys like to throw to certain catchers. There's just a feel that, that you can have with a pitcher. And I know from playing with you and talking to guys about you – that guys love to throw to you because you receive the ball so well. Maybe it's because you've always wanted to receive it soft like that, but you know, you, you, you've always had a good rapport with pitchers. Now with this starting to kind of be the norm, are, are pitchers kind of talking to you guys about it? Or is it like, Hey, like just give me any strike that you can do whatever you got to do to get me those strikes. It seems to me like that's a little strange to be looking at guys have their glove on the ground, but you know, maybe pitchers don't care about that. Yeah, I think I think it's an individual basis. I think for me, I try to always have that conversation with them beforehand, saying, "Hey, this is what I'm doing. I'm trying to help you. If you don't like it, I'm fine with going. You're like, tell me what you want." And I've had the guys say, "Hey, you know, I don't want I don't want that glove movement. I need I need a solid target. Like, give me, um, you know, a glove in this position, or I need your body in this position." And I'm okay with that. I'd rather have them um, tell me what they want and they can execute a pitch, whereas they're like. If they don't tell me and they don't like something, <clears throat> sorry, if they're telling, um, if I'm doing something that they don't like, you know, that's just another thing that's in their mind to where they may rather so. There's guys that, that don't mind if they say, yeah, just, I don't care if you set up late, if you set up early, if you do jumping jacks while I'm throwing a pitch. But some guys like a, a nice, quiet, still target. How's, uh, in this, go ahead, Jake. We well, we might we might be dancing around one of baseball's hot button issues, and I know clickbait ploofs loves that shit. Do you do you believe in do you want to see that, or do you feel like it's it's part of change? Like, is is Sal Butera gonna come at my neck if I say we should have robo umps, or what's the deal? <laughs> yes. No, he, he, <laughs> he, he'll he'll send somebody else to do it. He won't come at you. Directly. That's true. <laughs> there you go. He'll get you in the barber shop. Oh, um, oh no! <laughs> I'm I'm against robo umps. I am. Um, I think it takes away from the purity of the game. I think that this has been going on for a long time. I think I even miss like I understand the the instant replay gets the call right. I do, but what I miss the most is manager umpire arguments. Like I miss the ejection. I miss I miss the hype. I miss <laughs> I love throwing Lupinella throwing hats and kicking dirt. Um, 
that to me that uh, that's good entertainment and i feel like some fans like purists love that they love coming to the game hoping somebody might get thrown out like when you know trevor and i play for the twins i love seeing guardy get thrown out and honestly sometimes it's just a rally of the squad sometimes it's like like he'll hit he'll hit his bench coach like watch this i'm gonna get thrown out and he'll go it'll be nothing it'll be like you know, a guy was out by like 12 feet and he thought he was a close call. And he went out and argued him and <laughs> got thrown out just to rally us. And, and I miss that. Yeah, that he was, I mean, Guardy's kind of like the guy for that. I think the, he led the league last year. The the latest guy. He's got a lot. Of, we have a t-shirt. They put a t-shirt out one year. It was like his thousandth career win, I think, or something like that. And it said like thousand something wins. And then put the number of ejections that he had. And it said, and counting. I'm, I'm going to have to bring that, that shirt on. But Gardy was, he loved the thrill of it too. Like it wasn't just like the bench loved it. Like he loved getting the crowd into it. He loved the pageantry of it. And uh, sure. I, think, I think you got to respect it. Yeah, he, he got tossed a lot. I, mean, I, I, I respected it. What's that? Does, does one stick out for you guys? Like it? What, what's the Gardy one if you guys are saying Gardy and Jeffrey? There's so many. <laughs> there, I was saying there are there are many. They kind of all do run into each other. I feel like I could do like a impression because I've seen it so many times. You know, he was a big like grab the hat guy. You know, he would take his hat off, little small kicks of the dirt, kind of like head down. But then he wasn't afraid. And it's funny if you watch some of his ejections, the umpires, like they know what's coming. So, like, they're just like, all right, Cardi, like, I'll let you have your two or three minutes here. They kind of just sit back. They don't say shit. And then Guardy will kind of, I feel like, will give them, like, a heads up, like, okay, like, throw me out now. And, like, whether that's, like, he finally says a curse word or, like, maybe gives me what it is, then you'd see him just toss him. And he had a lot of them planned. It was, it was fun. There is one in particular – and they were he had better days to put it that way and um he came out to the mound and he's like i'm waiting until you know this guy comes out he's going to give him a piece of his mind and i don't think guardy was ready for what umpire had to say because guardy started getting into him laying into him he's like guardy i just suck today i got nothing i'm sorry i suck <laughs> And guys, well, I came out here all this way to get thrown out, so you better throw my ass out. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> Damn, that's awesome. Yeah, he's a good he's a good one, man. Yeah. Talking about uh, Sal, you're a second generation MLB player. Your dad was a catcher. Was that uh, like? Did you ever fight that, or you're like, I'm following dad's footsteps. I'm being MLB catcher. Was I mean, is that just from day one? Good the goal. So. No, I fought the good fight of not becoming a catcher. Um, okay. <laughs> I was I was a shortstop, <laughs> like like, <laughs> um, you know, and and I felt like I was really good. I had good hands, good arm, um, but I lacked range. I could not uh, as as the highs you know went on. I could not get too many balls like T. Poof could. So I knew that position was out. And then my dad never let me pitch. Never won my my arm to. Uh, for me to hurt my arm because that was my best tool and then just kind of like putting two and two together like okay i have good feet good arm good hands um shortstop and catcher are very similar in that aspect that you need those tools to play and it was one of the fact that i could move just a foot instead of 15 feet to catch a ball so 
it was kind of an easy transition for me. Yeah, you got a gun to it. Ten years in, I think you made the right choice. I still think I could have been a, one hell of a pitcher. Well, I mean, you have a pretty okay. good sample out there. Yeah, here's a question. Se- yeah. Segway King, hit the stat, Jim. Hit the stat, baby. What, what do Marcel Ozuna, Martin Prado, Marwin Gonzalez, and Carlos Gonzalez all have in common? My book for strikeouts. <laughs> <laughs> all have been struck out by Drew Bue. <laughs> Dude, one of your pitching appearances, you threw a 74-mile-per-hour pitch, an 84-mile-per-hour pitch, and a 94-mile-per-hour pitch. And uh, you got Vin Scully on the call. <laughs> you like you flabbergasted oh, yes. Scully. Yeah, I still have that video because it was Vin Scully saying, like, I, when I was walking off the mound, I was like, wow, that was the brightest moment of today's game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I still have that video. I was like, well, that's, that's something I have to save just for to say, like, here's this – legend hall of fame extraordinaire like if you think of like broadcasting you think of Ben scully and so for him to say that about me i was like you know what i have to i have to get this on dvd i have to save it yeah you had like five appearances was your were you like a quick hand up like hey if you're putting a position player and i want the mount no i think um so my very very first one party i was like yeah, sure. I, I can pitch, you know, like, well, I'm not going to tell him no. So, um, he, I actually warmed up in, uh, the tunnel. So it wasn't even in, I didn't get to throw in, in shoes with the tunnel that leads you out of the stadium. Cause they don't have a, they don't have a, a batting cage for visiting uh, teams. So I, I warmed up in the tunnel, uh, in my socks, then put my shoes on, ran right out. And, um, <laughs> after that, it was kind of like, if we ever got in that situation, they're like, Hey, have you ever done it before? I was like, yeah, I was like, great. So you're in. I was like, oh, crap. And then I actually, the my second appearance, or no, my third appearance was with um, the Dodgers. And I had a one, two, three inning. And I, that's when I struck out Marcelo Zuna. And they're like, damn, he threw so well. I pitched two days later. <laughs> so I was like, <laughs> I was like, I told Donnie, I was like, I, I don't think we need to make this a habit. Like, I, that's, I, I get that I had a one, two, three inning, but that's your work, man. Um, yeah. I, I, I always, this is a topic that fascinates me because I'm, I'm hoping Otani knocks down doors and that we have this future generation of kind of two way guys. And I think you're kind of speaking to it. If, do you think if they let you kind of be a two way player in the minor leagues, do you think that could be like, that would have been part of the Drew Butera story? No, I would have got rocked. Only. <laughs> Okay. The only, the only reason why I struck people out is because no one knew I could throw hard. And then I, I'd be up there for two hitters just laying it in at like 82, 83, maybe <laughs> mixing a changeup, and then I would just let one eat at 94. If I if I got the two strikes on somebody, I would let one eat. And so that's the only reason why. If, if I were a legitimate pitcher, I honestly feel like my numbers would not be very good because my, my, my ball is so straight that it would get hit a long, long way. I think I, I'm going to say this. I don't. I don't think that's right. I think that if you worked as a pitcher and you worked out as a pitcher, I think 94 is like you're sitting like, and like yeah. 97, 98. And if you learn some finger pressures, I mean, I think you could do it. You got yeah. an absolute cannon, dude. And I mean, it's a clean throwing motion, so the ball's going to get on you. Have you have you done your your spin rate? Have they do they do that for catchers? Yeah, so actually, uh, no, they don't do it for catchers. But they were setting it up in uh, Atlanta last year, and I was just messing around, 
um, while they were getting it loose. And I was waiting for somebody, I think it was make sense to tell her somebody to throw a bullpen. And so I had our, our bullpen catcher get down there. And I was like, I just want to see what my spin rate was. And I think with shin guards and turfs, it was like 2,300. Uh, that's that's like uh, was that like league average? Is that high? Uh, I think it's like maybe just a tick above. I think like twenty one or twenty two hundred is like league average. Yeah, yeah, like twenty eight is like an elite one. Yeah, I think you I think you totally got it. Yeah, man, don't be humble on here, dude. Drew has I, one what? of those balls. balls throw a ball like Matt um, was the same way. Who have to catch a stolen base attempt or a pickoff? Uh, the ball looks like it's going to be down but stays up. So you really have to know these guys that have that spin because you have to prepare for that or else you're going to get hit right in the right in the you know the palm instead of the instead of the glove or the netting. So um I, I really I, I believe in you. I believe in your arm, Drew. <laughs> See this is this is why if you were to ever ask me who my top five teammates were, T Plouf is automatically number one. It's like my personal height. No. Hey, Pump it up, baby. Pumping that gas. <laughs> there you go. No, to be like honestly, to be honest with you, like I'm not like when it comes to like I, I'm I'm modest, but like I know I have like really good arm strength. That's that's not like, but today like 97 is, you know, it's like you know a drop in the bucket. Like everybody, it's kind of true. Everybody's coming out of bullpen is throwing 97, so I'd have to come up with something really special. So when when there's a speedster on and and you know he's trying to steal and you you know a fastball's coming, is that like? A, a a big moment for you? Are you like, go motherfucker, let's do it? Like, hundred percent, one hundred percent. Yeah, love that. Well, I I can't. If someone, if I know, you know what? It's like, I want. I don't want. I don't want to throw out the guy that's like an average runner. I don't want to throw me out. I want to throw out you know the Dysons, the Ichiro, the guys that like that steal tons of base, like Billy Hamilton. I want to throw them out because at the end of the day, it's like, yeah, that's right. You ain't got nothing. What do Who's you your, get? Like list. Who- like who? Who's your guys that you're like? At the end of the day, you'll be like, "Yup, got him, got him, got him." I think the honestly, the only one I haven't gotten is Billy Hamilton. Right. Okay. Yeah, you um, I don't know. I don't know how many attempts I, um, he has with me or against me, um, but I know I, I don't think I've thrown him out. So I, I know I throw out okay. I throw out Dyson. Pretty sure I throw out D Gordon. Not a bad list. Um, yeah. I, what, about, what about when a catcher yeah. steals on you? Like I, I was going through it and you threw Russell Martin out at one point. Is there like, is that catcher on catcher crime? Are you like, what the fuck are you doing, man? Um, yeah. Absolutely. yeah. <laughs> like honestly, especially if like they know that I can throw. Yeah. It's like, like, well, what, are you, what are you thinking, man? And then honestly, if they get one on me, I mean, if I can make a bad throw and they get a really good jump, I'm like fuming. Like I, I want to like, I want to go back in the dugout and beat some shit up. Like, do you want to, do you want to grab a bag on him if you get the first thing? Cause Posada used to do that <laughs> where if a catcher stole on him, Posada would then try to do like some weird delayed steal or a steal. Is that, is that part of you at all? Like, all right, I'm going to steal on you now. So okay, so even though I had I had two bags last year, I know my oh, limitations. Two okay. bags, humble brag. It's hum- not humble bad. Brag, were yeah. they back back end bags or were they like no. real bags? No, they were real bags. Yeah, they were. Uh, one was two count, and then the other one was a one zero count guy. Just I caught him sleeping. Wow. <laughs> so you were the but guy. You I know, were the, you I had him fuming. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but I know, like, I know that I'm not a speed guy. Far from it. Um, we, yeah, we know so, that. 
yeah. So if I if I run and get thrown out, then it's like, dude, what the hell are you doing? Like, well, okay, he stole a bag on you. Why are you trying to steal a bag on him? All right. Have we, you ever uh, have you ever picked off anybody prominent that may be a friend of the pod? Um, I'm not really well, sure. Well, I'm, I'm, I might segue this into a video for you guys, but I picked off a uh, good friend Mike Mustakis. And I'm pretty the sure up there. I'm pretty sure I had the best tag in the game at that time with T. Ploof. Right in the face, I, we you, saw it. We, t- we so we so we talked about that. You know, we yeah. brought it up, and uh, I got to be honest with you, I had forgotten about that. It was 2011, so quite some time ago. But uh, Jim Jim sent me the video, and, and I'm sure we'll have the editor chop it up here all the time. It was basically like a pick your pants. You send me the signal back, and then I would just vacate my position. Pray to God he didn't hit me a ground ball there, <laughs> and I'd run back. To, I'd run to the second base and, and get your get your throw. We, we got Moose. Uh, I think it was the last game of the season. He was not like happy with it. You know, he was. <laughs> well, you also smacked him right in the kisser. Pissed. I did hit him in the face, but that's. <laughs> It's part of the part of it, part of the game. Yeah. Sorry, Moose. Well, it was a tied tied game, and he was the go ahead run on second base. So, how often do you call for that play, Drew? Like the the sleeper and make um, make Ploof run over. Yeah. So when we were together, um, especially I think in two thousand nine in Rochester, I think we got like eight or nine guys, and I still call for like I still use well, I, well I'll give away my secret. I still use the the pants. Then I'll have some it, honestly, like I'm, I'm not just saying like Trev was always in the game. Like he always wanted to pick, like I literally have to yell at somebody once a game, just like pay attention to me. Like that, you're giving away free outs. Like you're giving away, you know, something that can help the team win. And like, I never once had to like even tell Trev, you know, to pay attention or he'd always be giving it to me. I'd have to be the one like, Oh shit, here we go. It's, it's on. <laughs> Yeah, it goes by, it goes the other way too. Like you have to have a catcher that's willing to to do it. Like guys that want to throw. Like you'll see. Like you'll know the guys who want to throw. Like right now it's Maldonado. That guy wants to throw every every time. Sal Perez wants to throw every time. Drew Butera wants to throw every time. You, you got to get the guys that are confident. And uh, when you do that, man, it's fun. It's just another part of the game that you can you can catch guys sleeping all the time. Especially if a guy, you know, hits a double. He's feeling himself. He's giving the freaking daps back to the <laughs> dugout, you know, whatever, whatever. Pitch, you just bang him. And you can get him off his pedestal real quick, you know, send him back to the dugout. He can go high-five his boys in the dugout then. I was going through your caught-stealing list, seeing if you ever threw out the same guy twice in one game. As far as my research, you did it once. Is that a memory? Is that something that would stand out? Do you remember that at all? It's a, it's a pretty fast player. Um... I don't remember that now. Was us fold, the Rays. Oh Sam. Oh Sam fold. Yeah. Tried to take. Tried to take second on you. You nabbed him. Then later in the game, he tried to take third on you. You gunned him down at third. I was in. I was when he was Tampa, right? Yeah. Yeah. I do remember that. Yeah. All right. There you go. I'm doing some research right now. Let's 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 switch it over to the bat. I was going through uh going through some big plays in your in your history when you're in the box. I, I think your biggest is, is um, well, I'll get to that. Your first home run is a pinch hit job in extra innings to give your team the lead. And I think you were early on in your career there. Do you remember that at all? 
Got to remember your first I do, home, yeah. Right? We were in Philly. Yeah, it was. Uh, we were in Philly. Um, it was the day before Father's Day, and it was actually so. Um, it was a day game. I wasn't playing. I was in the bullpen, uh, uh, warming up pitchers and, and trying to stay ready, or whatever. And actually, I have a, a more memorable moment than my home run. I think um, this is back when uh, Jim was Jim told me he was collecting his home run balls. You know, it was, it was post 500, so he was collecting every single one that he hit. And I was sitting next to the bullpen catcher, uh, Nate Dahman. I, I tapped him on the shoulder. I put my glove on. You know, if you know the bullpens in, in Philly, they're in center field and they're like stacked up on top of each other. And the visitor one is on the on the, um, the, the second floor of it. And I tapped him on the shoulder. I was like, hey, I'm going to catch Tom's home run right here. And we were down at the time, I think, a couple of runs. And I think that home run either Titus or Bob. And he's like, yeah, right. You know, if you'd have to hit it out here, that's a, it's a, a big-time bomb. And pitches later, he hit it, and I caught it. And uh, um, they radioed into they radioed into the uh, security guy at the dugout and was like, "Hey, we want we need that ball." And I was like, "No chance! Like I'm giving it to Jim. Like, <laughs> you know, if if it, yeah, Strav, like Jim's like the the best guy in the world, like greatest teammate. So I wanted to be able to give it to him and shake his hand and give him a hug and say congratulations. And um, they called down like an inning later. It's like, "Hey, you're going to pinch hit." So I had the ball and I gave it to him. I was like, "Hey, man, congrats! Dude, this is freaking awesome!" Like. I was so pumped. And then I um, pinched hit, hit a home run. And the first guy to meet me on that steps was Jim Tomey to give me a huge hug and say congrats. So I was like, damn, that's pretty badass. Yeah, that that's awesome. awesome. That's awesome. Now, when you caught his home yeah, run, that's awesome. When you caught his home run, was it right to you or were you like darting across the bullpen to make sure you caught yeah. it because you told the guy? No, I was, I took like, I don't know, maybe probably like 10 steps to, to cross the bullpen to catch it. But still, like, for me to like sit there and I'm, I mean, I, I don't know how serious I was, but I was just like, Hey, I'm going to catch Tom. So I'm running right here. You and knew it was coming. Literally like three pitches later, catch it. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Damn. And my first home run actually was the very first at bat. My dad saw me playing the big leagues. Bam. Oh, wow. I didn't and, know. That. And the day before father's yeah. day. And the day before father's day. Yeah. So he had flew in. Um, he was scouting at the time. He had flew in. He had Philly as one of his teams. And so when I made the team open in, um, at a spring training, my mom and dad flew out to Anaheim where we opened the season. And we had a four-game set. And so I was like, okay, well, at least I'll play one of the games thinking. And Maurer played all four. So I was like, oh, <laughs> damn, they don't get to see me play. Um, and then it was like, I don't know, you know, uh, a couple months later, day before Father's Day, he flew out to watch Philly. And that's when I hit the home run. And if, if you know my dad, like he loves to he loves to be a part of everything. He loves to be in every – like conversation he loves to to be a part of like what's he has huge like FOMO and somehow he talked his way into our clubhouse after the game <laughs> and so I'm doing interviews and in walks my dad and right in the middle of the interview comes in and gives me a big hug I'm like what do you how did you get in here like what like who let, who let you in Sal is so show he could just walk in like it's like he just he just puts up the deuces like I'm going through and on, no, but see, that's, a, that, that's exactly what he does. Like, he walks by someone like, excuse me, sir, I need to see your ID. He's like, no, it's okay. I'm, I'm supposed to be here. And just, like, keeps walking. <laughs> that's so sad. It's great, man. The, yeah, the, the next confidently. Yeah, the next biggest at-bat I wanted to ask you about is also, it's not a pinch hit appearance, but it's your first at-bat late in the game in the ALDS, game four, the big comeback. You draw a 10-pitch walk. Uh I just watched it again back today, but that was, I mean, it's a walk, but that is, you, you can't pass the baton to I think Gordon behind you. Is that a, is that a fond memory in your brain as well? Cause I think even yeah. in the post game, everyone was saying 
That 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 at bat by Drew set up the whole thing. Can you hear me? Yeah, I got you. Oh, okay, sorry, gotcha. I thought my headphones up. Yeah, uh, yeah. So that to me was like probably my most memorable bat of my career so far, just because uh, like the magnitude of the game. Um, we were down, um, I think three or four runs going into the eighth inning, and. We just had, I think we put like five or six hits in a row and then um, Curry had the error off Morales. And so I didn't, like, I came in as a substitution for Sal and I did not want to be the guy to take us out of that, that kind of rally. And I think I went down one, two right away. And I was like, you know, I'm just going to do whatever I can to either. We had a guy on third base. I knew I could drive and we were down one run. I knew I could put the ball in the play or, or, you know, get the ball in the air to get him in. And he kept throwing me slider after slider, and I fouled a bunch of them off, finally worked back to 3-2. And I knew with Gordon behind me, he wasn't going to you know, throw me anything close to me. So I was like, just sit away. I think I fouled another like slider or fastball off. And then he threw me one way outside, and uh, Gordo wound up you know, rolling one over to um, second base for, to get the winning or the tying run uh, and score. Yeah, go ahead, Ron. There was a – I just watched it, the 2-2 pitch – it was real close. I was like, oh, yeah, it back, damn. Like, it backed up, right? It backed yeah. Up slider. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it was my cool. Heart, my it... heart stopped a little bit. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. And then later on that se- that postseason, you get to catch the final out of the World Series, which was, uh, I mean, that's a, that's a memory that I think not a lot of people ever get to have. No, on a yeah. strikeout like that? That's incredible. No. Yeah, that that to me was one of the coolest. I wish that I would have planned out uh, Wade and I's celebration a little better. You guys both there, went the for picture, the jump. Yeah, the, like, <laughs> and the so that that was used forever, like for our World Series, like on the cover of like, you know, every magazine and every like Kansas City newspaper was like Wade and I's awkward jump, and like if you look at both of our faces, we were like, oh god, what <laughs> and so, uh, um his wife actually calls it his O face. Um, oh no. So that's, so, yeah. So that's, that's even more awkward for me. Oh, I'm going to have to Google nice. search that just so I know what Wade Davis's O face looks like. Yeah. Uh, so got to know, but yeah, I mean that, that was like, you know, the pinnacle for me, like you, you as a kid who, you know, dreamed of playing in the big leagues and dreamed of winning a world series that you know, every kid's like, Oh, bottom of the ninth, three, two count bases loaded. I'm going to walk off home run. And um, to be able to be a part of that celebration was really cool. Did you keep that ball? And then that, I didn't know. Well, originally I did. We, like, we ran on the dog pile, and uh, two guys grabbed me, um, and they're like, "Hey, we need that ball." I'm like, "No chance in hell you're getting this ball. I'm keeping <laughs> it for myself." And like, "No, we just need to authenticate it." I was like, and I gave him a look, like, "No way, are you lying to me? Like, it's bullshit. Get out of here." And like, "No, here's the authentication. Like, we need to authenticate." It. I was like, "All right, cool." So they authenticated, gave me back. I went right back to the celebration. And through the off season, I was like, man, it's cool. Everybody would come over, like, here's the last out. You know, I'd show them, you know, it's a cool story, cool, like, uh, display piece or whatever. And then I got the thing, and I was like, man, it wasn't just me who, like, it'd be different if I was, like, I won the Masters in golf or I won Wimbledon. Like, it wasn't just me. It was, like, it was a team. It was an organization. It was a city that, like, collectively went through, like, 162 games plus the postseason, ups and downs. I was like, this doesn't belong strictly to me. So uh, that off season during the, our fan fest, um, I kind of planned it out. Like I uh, had our GM come on, like stage it a little bit, come on stage and uh, had the guy 
asked me a question about the World Series ball when I did with it, and I pulled it out. I was like, and I kind of gave basically the same story I just gave you. I was like, it doesn't belong to me. It belongs to the city. So they put it in their, like, Royals Hall of Fame. Nice. That's awesome. I would have kept it. Yeah, I should have kept it. I would have kept it. Are you kidding <laughs> yeah. me? I'm going to go steal that thing. I'll give it back to you. Thank you. <laughs> and did uh that that next year drew 2016 because yeah world series is nice but 2016 you low-key raked dude what were you were you just having the world series glow on you the world series shine or what what was going on then no um so i hit with victor martinez in the offseason and actually right before uh the final game of our regular season uh pedro grafol who like I credit a lot of like a lot of my offensive success from that point on to him because he kind of gave me a wake up call. Like for me, I knew hitting is tough and I knew hitting once a week was even harder. So like I was always not like content with hitting 200, but like I knew that it was, it was hard. I wasn't like getting to week, but I'm hitting, like, I was always defensive minded. Uh, um, to play in the big leagues for a long time or do you want to come into spring training every year and compete for a job and I was, I was like what do you mean what the hell I'm like I'm a freaking stud like are you kidding me <laughs> and um he's like and he kind of gave me a wake up call he's like this is what you need to do this is the approach you need to have um and we kind of worked on some things uh leading up to the postseason and then in the offseason I hit with Victor Martinez and he like just reiterated what Pedro told me and like things that like um, you know, I had been working on the past, like that didn't work consistently. Um, I needed to make a change. So um, I just kind of changed my approach. Like my swing was always good. Whenever I played for on a consistent basis, I'd always hit. So my, it wasn't my swing is more of my mental approach and like how I uh, went against, you know, my scouting reports for the pitcher. So, um, and kind of also too, not to like, you know, get too high or too low. Like there'd be times where I'd get into a slum and that would lead into like, a four or five or six game slump and suddenly, Hey, you know what? Oh, well, I went over, no big deal. So, you know, come back tomorrow and get a couple knocks. So there was a, it was a lot more of like a mental process for me um, to, to kind of have success that way, as opposed to just going out there and just trying to bang a ball off the wall. Great. I think it's nice for all of our listeners to hear this. I feel like every single guy that we talk to, um, the, the guys that have played a long time, they all say the same thing. Like I had to make adjustments. I'm willing to make adjustments. It wasn't always easy. I had to learn how to, you know, manage my failures. Like that's just kind of like good life advice too. You know, I think baseball kind of does that with people. Like you fail so much in baseball, especially as a hitter, it really teaches you, it humbles you and it instills that like that necessity to figure it out and to change when needed. And um, like I said, it's just kind of been like a common theme from with from everyone that we've interviewed, you know, Kipnis, Dozier, everyone's had to make adjustments and it's no different with my boy Drew Buell. And now, like I said, I think you got eight full 10 seasons, like turned into a hell of a career, man. Yeah. Still going too. I'm not, I'm not yeah. done yet. I still have a few. You're uh, I know day. the, I know spring training is just spring training and you, it's small sample size, but I mean, you were swinging well this spring training. I think it was like two homers and 10 at bats or something like that. Did you, did you, is there changes being made or was it just kind of a, a hot start or were you amped up about the, the results you were getting? thus far this season? Yeah, yeah, no, it was definitely some changes, man. I made them uh, towards the end of last year. Um, you know, just little small little mechanical things from watching guys and from just trying, you know, trial and error, picking some things up that might, you know, have worked. And I, I kind of refined them during the off season. 
And I, I was pumped about the success. I was pumped that, um, you know, all my bats except for maybe one were quality. So I think I had I think maybe like 15 or 16 at bats, um, you know, mixed in with a few walks, but, um, you know, I, I was, I was pumped about, you know, each at bat was, was quality. And, you know, I was starting to, to drive the ball, even some of the outs that I made, you know, I, I squared up and, um, you know, I, I was pumped to, to continue that. Unfortunately, this, this whole, uh, virus thing happened, but, um, hopefully we'll continue that into when spring training starts back up again and then into the season. Yeah. I wanted to ask you a couple quick hitters catching wise. Who's the, who's your favorite fastball you've caught? Favorite fastball I caught. Um, wow. That's the, I think, well, it's not really a fastball cause it's more of like a cutter, but Kenley Jensen. Okay. Um, it, they, he, it's, it's number one in his, in his arsenal. So it's his fastball, but that thing is on a, when he was in his, in his prime, when I was with him in LA, that thing was, was, you know, that, that was tough. It was, it was electric. It jumped out of his hand and I felt like it, it almost like, like rose a little bit. It just kind of took off. And it, it never rise. made you want to catch. Yeah. He's a former catcher. So yeah, I was going to say you didn't start thinking like, Oh shit, maybe I can, I can do this too. <laughs> no, he had the body for pitching. He's what, like six, five, like two fifty. He That's had, he had the body. for Yeah. Who the pitcher. fuck put him behind the dish? <laughs> Seems like I don't know. What about, what about a, a breaking ball? You got like one that jumps out just a breaking yeah, ball. Okay. I got two. Kershaw's curveball. Obviously, that's. I think everybody knows that. But it's a pretty good pitch. Yeah, and I think uh, I think a lot of people know how good it is, but I don't think people understand how like quality of a pitch like he can execute it as like so he like uh, Granky slider. So he he like makes it into so many different shapes. Like he can make it like he'll dissect you as a hitter and be like, okay, I'm gonna throw you this type of slider, and then you know like if I come up, he's like. And I, I, I kid you not, this is exactly what he told me. Uh, we were hitting in the cage, and he's from Orlando. So he's, I caught him in his bullpen, and he was watching me hit in the cage. And my dad goes, hey, Zach, how would you get Drew? You know, how would you get him out? And he goes, I'd probably throw him a slider right down the middle. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, I'm not that bad of a hitter. My God, what the hell? Uh, but that's how he dissects. He dissects people in so many different ways. Like he would throw Trev one slider. He'd throw me a different slider. He'd throw – a left-hander, a backup slider, because he knew that, like, he'd roll it over. Like, that, to me, like, how, how he executed that pitch made it elite. So is there yeah. any communication uh, about, like, do you just call slider and then you you catch whatever version of his slider he throws? Or is there any communication further about, like, hey, slower slider or backdoor or, or what kind's coming? Um, no, I, there's a, a bit of communication. Like, in our scouting report, he'll talk about how he wants to – um, make one a little bit harder, a little bit tighter. Um, but I think he just knows himself, you know, how to uh, to make it work and shape as the game goes on. He might see an adjustment that the hitter makes during a bat, and he'll he'll shape it a little differently to to get you out. Um, you know, he, he difference to where that it would throw me off, but it's a huge difference to a hitter where it would mess up their timing. That's cool. That's awesome. I love it, man. It's really cool. We love having you on, Drew. What uh, yeah, man. And anything uh, God, I mean, do you have? Uh, I I don't know if we're supposed to talk. I was gonna call it a lockout. We're not in a lockout, but um, I mean, a- any thoughts on baseball coming back or anything? I I know we 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 don't want it to be like the focus of the episode, but it's also on every guy's mind. So I I don't know. Like Kipnis, we talked to him a couple weeks ago. He was still kind of bullish, but things have changed a little bit since then. I mean, are, are you hearing anything or where, where's your head at? 
Uh, I probably haven't heard anything more up to date than what you guys already know. I think honestly, it really depends on this is my opinion. I think it really depends on, you know, what the government does. I think that if they continue to have society in this kind of quarantine zones or like, you know, state lockdowns, I don't think that we'll be able to start back up. I think once they kind of allow businesses to reopen and uh, people to get back to their normal lives is when we'll, um, really get things going. I don't think this is anything to mess around with. It, it sucks big time, man. I, I'm, I know just, you know, speaking in general, like baseball, yeah, baseball players are going insane right now, but like people like in everyday life are going insane. Like, you know, teachers yeah. are out of work, uh, restaurants are out of work. Like there's so many people that are being affected by this virus that it's, it's kind of selfish to say like, oh, well, we're missing our baseball season when like real life things are happening that are much greater than baseball. So, um, I hope that we, and I say we, like I have a part to do with it, but I hope, I hope somebody comes up with some type of vaccine or cure or something to get this thing going. Because I know not only will it be good for morale for players, but I think also for the country too, to get sports back up. I think, you know, sports teams in general give a lot of people, you know, stuff to think about and, you know, things to do and get their mind away from um, you know, life. What's your what's your viewing sport pleasure? Basketball guy, football, NASCAR. Uh, I like going. <laughs> yeah, I like watching people turn left. No. Uh <laughs> oh, you you probably NASCAR Twitter is going to be all. Wow. That's all right. That's wow. all right. I'm more of a, I'm more of a Formula One when it comes to racing. So that's, okay. that's okay. Oh, okay. Although I do I do have a really good story about, um, and we could say this for another time or later. But I have a really good story. I got to drive a pace car for. Um, the Kansas city speedway during a, during a, uh, a NASCAR event. And that scared the living shit out of me. <laughs> so, um, I have the utmost respect for, for NASCAR drivers, but, um, I, 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 I got to throw it back because you just reminded me. So we talked about how Drew and I live together and we rented <laughs> Don't a, a PT cruiser. the PT cruiser, <laughs> right? So we, we were renting it and, um, it was like four of us we don't get home until 11 o'clock usually so we're all we jam in the, the pt cruiser we go back and we had like a quiet little street and we had kind of like a bigger driveway and drew was our driver like drew, drew loves cars so he decided one night i don't even know how it got started but we started just cruising down this road and i said it was late night so nobody was there but he jammed it and then Boom, he'd hit the e-brake and he just like drift us, like Tokyo drift us. And we did it every <laughs> single night. And like, that's so obnoxious. It's so fucking obnoxious. <laughs> Finally, the neighbors came out and told us like, hey, like we got like, we got like kids here. They're trying to sleep. Like we can't have this fucking fast and furious <laughs> moment every night. And uh, so we stopped. We became really good friends with our neighbors. But uh, the PT Cruiser, man. Uh, good time. It handled. PT Cruiser. It handled. It hugged the corners tight. <laughs> oh, one more, th- one more thing I wanted to ask before we we go. You guys got me. I got yeah. you. Yeah. All right, I got you. You got the nice flow. You know, one of the better better fl- hair in baseball, and then you dyed it pink for a really good reason. Oh uh, yeah. How'd you enjoy having the pink hair? Um. Or can you it tell us the reason if someone doesn't know the story? Yeah. So um, in, two, in the 2016 season, um, the lady who actually cut my hair. Her good friend's son was in the hospital. 
just got diagnosed with cancer and he asked that uh, she asked me to go visit him and i was like yeah sure so i brought some royal stuff i was with the royals at the time i brought some royal stuff and i was literally just gonna go in there say hi to him you know check in on him give him some stuff and then leave and he's dude this this guy was like um he was seven i think at the time or eight it's amazing like dude you'll ever meet he had like finally you know had this positive attitude so we hung out for like an hour and a half and he uh had um his hair dyed a few different colors and i was talking about it and at the time like um my like kind of like thing when i got a base hit is like was a hair flip and he's like hey can i dye your hair so that when you do a hair flip it'll be you know cool if you beat cancer you could dye my hair whatever you want and so fast forward to two years, it was like middle of the season. He comes running down the bullpen. I'm like, Dagan, what's up, dude? How's it going? And he's like, guess what? I'm like, what, what, tell me, what do you got? He's like, I beat cancer. I'm cancer-free. I'm like, one hand, I'm like overjoyed. And I was like so happy for him. And the second hand, I'm like, crap, now I'm going to have pink or blue or purple <laughs> hair. I was like, I don't know. But it was, dude, honestly, it was, a, it was a great like moment for both of us. Like one, he beat cancer too. It was like, we got to do something a lot of fun in, in a, a salon. We, we both dyed our hair pink and, um, it got some some pretty good, uh, I guess, publicity for him. So he was he was pumped about that. Yeah, I remember. And it was I was like, pumped for him. You debuted it against the Yankees, so I, I remember it because yeah. the Yes Network did a whole feature on it as well. So it was all over. Yeah. How long did you I let remember, it ride? Uh, so just that series. I told him I was just going to die it for one series. So I, I let it ride for that series, and then I think we went to Texas right after that, and I died it back. But um, yeah, I remember taking BP, and uh, it was after the first day. You know, home team hits first, and so I was in the last group, and. I remember Adam, at least 15 guys going, hey, dude, what the hell are you doing with your hair? What's going on? Why is it pink? And so I'd have to retell that story every single time. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I, I've, I've got one final last question, maybe, unless we just keep rolling, because I, I think everyone likes doing this more than quarantine. Yeah. But um, can, can you can you hype up the rocks a little bit? Because uh, I've lived in Denver the past three years. I, uh, I A that right field bar every fan player needs to get up there at some point because you're overlooking the mountains you overlook the field it's it's baseball heaven but those rockies have a lot of talent man and i i was chirping in jim's ears a lot and he had to like level me out because uh, i might have been coming in too hot but i mean that that team last year midway through the season was was in the wild card position the wheels kind of fell off a little bit but there's still a young core that it's really good so get, give me like the rockies hype train right now yeah you're not coming in hot at all i think you're coming right on par you know yes we have our lineup is a joke i mean i will put <laughs> it up against any other lineup honestly like you, you think about it, you got to go through charlie story um nolan you know desmond um murphy you know we got a doll mcmahon mcmahon you guys you guys go deep yeah, McMahon's got the most juice I've seen, you know, in a long time. It's just natural, easy juice. And, uh, like, we put together good at-bats. We battle. You know, our arms are no joke. I think, you know, last year some guys just kind of got a bad rap because they were they were battling through injuries. You know, a lot of sometimes things don't come out in the media what, you know, is truly going on. And guys were pitching through some stuff. And, um you know, they want to be out on the mound because they know that, you know, how good they are. So I think, you know, you're going to see a lot of bounce back years for a lot of our pitchers because of um, they're healthy. They're, they had, a, you know, a good off season, you know, good, they came back in strong and um, 
I think we, as a team, we have a, a core kind of belief in, you know, what we want to do and what we would accomplish. So I think uh, you're going to look at a really, really good team this year and, and watch for a lot of uh, bounce back arms. I love yeah. it. And that's, I, I think Marquez is one of the pitchers that more people need to know about in baseball. Freeland just had a tough break baseball year last year. And, and there's a lot of other guys that, I mean, and it's, it's the story of the Rockies. I mean, if, if those pitchers get some outs, I, you know. yeah. And they, and they will, they will. I know like that by the last, like uh, last year, it was just, it was just one of those things where, you know, it, it, whether there was bad luck or, um, and, and I know a lot of people say, oh, it's bad luck, but bad luck does happen. And sometimes you just have years where it's like you can't get people out or you don't get hits or you don't hit homers. Like those things happen and, and it's no fault of your own. Like you're, you're working your ass off. It's just these things happen. So um, Friedman looks amazing, man. Like his, his mechanics are so smooth and he, he cleaned up a lot of things that he's repeating a lot of things really well. Um, you know, Sensatella is coming back throwing hard. Like his ball is really, really heavy. Um, you know, Marquez is Marquez. He's going to punch out 200 guys a year. He's, he's, he's got yeah. stupid good stuff. John Gray is, an, he might be one of the strongest guys. He doesn't, he might not look at, he might be one of the strongest guys in all baseball. That guy's a horse. Hmm. And then we have, we have a lot of guys fighting for that fist spot. Good stuff. My rocks, baby. You got Let's your go. rocks content in. My goodness. Yeah, I knew you got <laughs> in stuff. Wow. Cool. Trev, you know that. I'm I'm all about. It. I'm a big fan of the Rockies. I think someone needs to step up and challenge the Dodgers in the West. And really, if you go you're going through their pitching staff right there, it's pretty damn good. Yeah. Tough and you part. got the bangers. You got the bangers in that park, and you got defense. I mean, you got Drew Bue. Let's go. Bue, baby. <laughs> I think I think I might do a little <laughs> sprinkle on the rocks this year for the NL West. Shortened now season. Rocks come out hot. I just go like this. Just a little sprinkle on the rocks, cool. and maybe I make a little cash. You know, yeah, I'm out of the game now. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta do something. It's a smart play. I love it. Let's go. Cool. I like it. All right, man. Hey, we appreciate you sitting down with us. Uh, I don't know if Trev's got anything at the end, but that was awesome. Yeah, man. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me. I want to plug one thing, and follow Drew on IG. It's Drew Butera, right? Yeah, it's <laughs> and- Drew Butera. And Sundays. Oh, what let's are Sundays, go. Drew? We got to plug that because it's a big thing. I think, <laughs> I think Drew's going to turn it into a brand one day. But uh, what do you got on Sundays, Drew? Uh, we got cinnamon roll Sundays. <laughs> cinnamon roll Sundays, baby. Yeah. I think Jimmy really would like that. Maybe yeah. this Sunday, Jim, you, you take it with Drew and you do a cinnamon roll Sunday video, you making some cinnamon rolls. Boom. I don't eat stuff like that because I'm a machine, but you guys. Yeah, your body is a devil. No, it's so Trev can drink beer. That's that's the only reason. That's true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Play him for the tie. Awesome. Thank you, man. We appreciate it. No problem. Thanks Thank for having you. me, guys.